Hey, welcome in to Opposition Research here on PowerMizzou.com and your favorite YouTube channel. And um, on what we are going to pretend through the magic of technology is Thanksgiving morning. So happy Thanksgiving. And if you believe that myself and Andrew Hutchinson, who will join us shortly, got up at 5 a.m. on Thanksgiving morning to record an interview about Mizzou and Arkansas for you, then um, hey, we appreciate the, your uh, naivete. But Anyway, it's coming to you the day before Mizzou and Arkansas play at 2.30 in Fayetteville on Friday on CBS. We will get to that in a minute, but uh, one thing that we hope you all are thankful for um, in this holiday season, besides obviously this fantastic YouTube program that we bring you every week, is also the fact that... Um, hey, maybe you've managed to improve your financial situation, save up a little money this year. If you had called Stuart Eastman and Edward Jones, you certainly would have been able to do that. You can get a hold of Stuart at 573-817-3108. Probably not today. I think he's probably spending time with his friends and family and watching a little football. And uh, as a guy who grew up in Southwest Missouri, maybe even getting ready for Mizzou and Arkansas tomorrow. But almost any other day of the year, you can get a hold of Edward Jones. They offer numerous investments and services to help you reach any financial goal you have, including smart spending and borrowing options, retirement, paying for education, estate considerations, and plenty more. Again, 573-817-3108. You can get in touch with Stuart Eastman. Tell him that I sent you, and uh, I don't know if that'll do you any good or not, but just tell him anyway. So as promised, um, we're going to bring in now Andrew Hutchinson. He is the managing editor over at hogbeat.com. Andrew, I don't know if that's technically your title. I think that's what I remember you saying, so that's what I used. But if it's something more impressive, please let us know. No, just just managing editor. That that works for me. I, I mean, I didn't mean to say that wasn't impressive. It's obviously an impressive title. But, <laughs> uh, um, okay, so Missouri-Arkansas on Friday afternoon, it, I mean – have they started to build the Sam Pittman statue in Fayetteville yet, or are they going to wait a couple more weeks to do so? I think they're going to wait a couple of weeks to do so. Now, had they pulled off the upset this past Saturday in Tuscaloosa, then it would probably be ready to go for this Friday's game. Uh, but, yes, they are they are very happy with Sam Pittman. He is, I think, far exceeded even the most optimistic expectations uh, in in two years, so they they are very fond of Sam Pittman, and you know, break here or there, Arkansas could you'll legitimately be looking at a ten win season. But even as is, you know, eight wins in the regular season that's something Arkansas hasn't done in a decade. That's kind of crazy when when you put it that way. But I think I don't know if people forget how how down Arkansas was, or if it's just wow the speed with which he turned it around. I, I mean the pessimists and by that I mean the people on my message board who maybe don't root for Arkansas to be great will say he was left a lot of talent and Chad Morris was really that bad but the optimist I assume will say man he's done a phenomenal job here and and I think he has I don't think that should be taken away um but you know how much did getting all these seniors back I think they brought back as many guys in as anybody in the country from last year how much has that helped him maybe bridge the gap this year to now being able to get some of his own guys in probably starting next season oh it's been absolutely vital I mean you look at just the just the linebackers I mean your, your two starters are super seniors as Sam Pittman calls them uh Grant uh, Grant Morgan uh, he was an All-American last year Hayden Henry uh, he's been around the block a time or two, and he's 
uh, playing the best ball of his career. Uh, so you've got that. You've got a couple of super seniors on the offensive line. Your left tackle is a super senior. A couple of your starting wide receivers are super seniors. So, yeah, you, you can't understate the, the importance of those guys. Without those guys, Arkansas would not be a top 25 team as we're sitting here talking today. I mean, it's just that's the facts. And uh, I think they're hoping to get a couple of you know, super seniors back again next year to kind of you know, help you know, kind of steady the, the ship as well. Um, but the guys they got back this year were incredibly, incredibly important. And I think those linebackers, I, I mentioned them once. I'll mention them again, Grant Morgan and Hayden Henry. Uh, without those guys, I don't think Arkansas would, would be a bowl team. I, I very, I'm pretty confident in saying that. We'll get into uh, the specific matchups more here in a minute, but just uh, Eli Drinkwood said on Tuesday that that Pittman was the perfect guy at the perfect time for this Arkansas program. And uh, look, let's be honest: when the hire was made outside of Fayetteville, the the reaction was I don't even really want to say mixed. It was kind of what are they doing here? It, now it proves, first of all, obviously that you can't judge a hire on day one. Nobody knows. I, I mean, you know, a few years ago, Scott Frost was going to bring Nebraska back to glory. And and then a couple years ago, Sam Pittman was a terrible hire and it's obviously been exactly the opposite, but has it surprised you just covering this program day to day, how, how quickly he's gotten it going and, and really how, how's he done it? Well, two years ago, Arkansas lost to San Jose State, and they were blown out by Western Kentucky. They were 2-10 and 10 for a second straight year, and they had lost, I think, 19 SEC games in a row. So to say that I expected them to be a top 25 team in year two would just be absolutely a lie. I mean, even if I had put on <clears throat> the rosiest of rose-colored glasses, I don't think I could have predicted that. Um, so Sam Pittman has definitely surprised me. When he got hired, you know, as you said, everyone outside of Arkansas probably thought it was a, a horrible hire. And like, what are you doing hiring a career offensive line coach? He's never been an offensive coordinator or anything. What are you doing? The people in Arkansas remembered what he did as an offensive line coach at Arkansas. That, you know, for three years, he built Arkansas into having one of the best offensive lines in the country. And they remember his recruiting prowess. And so I think there was some optimism there. I was, you know, maybe a little bit optimistic, like, hey, this guy can maybe be the guy that gets Arkansas just back to respectability, where they're not getting blown out by North Texas and Western Kentucky like they did in back-to-back -back years and uh, losing every game in SEC play. Like, you've got to get to where you can, you know, beat the SEC teams you're supposed to beat, not just, you're not going to be competitive against the likes of, like, Alabama or things like that, but... You know, you should be able to, to beat the Mississippis. You should be able to beat Missouri every now and then. And that just wasn't happening. So I think that that's kind of what I expected. And I thought maybe the next guy who took over would be the guy that maybe was able to take, you know, build on that and take it to the next level. But I think Sam Pittman's kind of skipped that step and said, hey, I'm going to take it to the next level myself. And uh, to, to have the season they've had this year is, is just truly remarkable. And, you know, had it not been for what Kirby Smart's doing over there in Georgia – I would say Sam Pittman has an excellent case to be the SEC Coach of the Year. I mean, Drinkwood said he'd vote for him. I think if he wins on Saturday, I think he's got a shot, but I think the winner of the Egg Bowl on, on third, or Friday, I guess they play, but the winner of the Egg Bowl's got a shot too. Um, so let's start on the defensive side of the ball. For obvious reasons, that's the uh, side that, that Missouri fans are, are somewhat interested down there. And 
Tell me what this Arkansas defense is, because just like looking at scores week to week and looking at some of the box scores, it looks to me like either, holy cow, they put on a clinic and played great defense, or oh my God, they got absolutely shredded. Like there doesn't really seem to be an in-between, and I don't want, like I'm not speaking ill of Barry Odom and his defense for giving up 700 yards to Alabama. It's going to happen for Matt Corral scoring 52 points. Sometimes it's going to happen. But it just doesn't – it seems like it's either great or, oh, man, this this was a rough day, and there's not really any in between. No, there there really isn't because they're, the first four weeks of the season, it was a top-10 unit in college football. I mean, I was talking about how it was incredible and that Barry Odom should be the Broyles Award winner and, and things like that. But it did kind of fall off, I mean, playing – at Georgia and then playing Ole Miss's offense, that, that'll kind of do it to you. Uh, but they they played incredible against LSU. Uh, they've been opportunistic with, when it comes to turnovers. And as you know, that's probably not a sustainable way of living on defense. Uh, you're not going to be able to get those all the time. Uh, but that, that's been a key. And plus, you know, they, they play this – Primarily, they, they like to go multiple, and that's what they like to say. But primarily, they have a three-man front, they rush three, and they drop eight. And when you play against the likes of Matt Corral, uh, Bryce Young, and even Bo Nix, you know, those, those accurate quarterbacks that are veteran, they're going to pick you apart. Um, now, when you run into somebody who maybe isn't as good of a decision maker, you know, we saw you know, Will Rogers uh, struggle a little bit. Um, you know, the, the quarterbacks at LSU struggled, you know, Garrett Nussmeyer, it was like his first real, you know, significant playing time for LSU. You know, those kind of guys struggled. Um, you know, maybe Connor Bazelak fits that kind of mold. You know, he has thrown, you know, some interceptions this year. Uh, so that's kind of, kind of what I'm anxious to see how it plays out because it's been very, as you said, hot and cold on that side of the ball this year. A lot of the offenses they play, obviously, like you said, are these kind of spread, high-flying passing offenses. Missouri doesn't throw the ball nearly as well as a lot of those teams, but they have the leading rusher in the SEC, and that's the guy they're going to go through. So do you see Odom kind of sticking with that same three-man front scheme, or does he change it when he knows the other team, basically everything goes through the running game and the running back? You know, early in the season, Arkansas basically – the first four games, they went four-man front, three-man front, four-man front, three-man front. And incredibly, those three-man front games were against Texas and Bijan Robinson, and they shut him down in just a fantastic game. And then Texas A&M, and they shut down uh, that rushing attack. I think uh, their running back, whose name escapes me at the moment, had a like 70-yard touchdown run. But other than that, he had like, had like 30 yards or something like that. So uh they've had success stopping the run with a three-man front it takes really really good play by the linebackers uh but they've also been gashed sometimes a few times as well so a guy like Tyler Beatty I would probably say they'd be better off running a four-man front um but again I'm not the one making one point whatever million dollars it is that Barry Odom's making I'm sure he'll get something figured out, but I know Arkansas fans, if they start out on that three-man front and Tyler Bay rips off a 15-yard run on the first play of the game, I guarantee you what I know what our message board is going to be looking at, looking like at that moment. Right. Uh, a couple other familiar names. Um, look, everybody saw um, Trey Williams kind of have the breakout day on, on national TV. Uh, 
what have he and Markel Lutze brought to that unit this year? Because I, I didn't think it was, I didn't think either one was a huge loss for Missouri. But then, hey, they've played pretty well as Missouri took about two months to figure out how to play competent defense. So I, uh, I will raise my hand and say I was wrong on that one. Yeah, both of those guys have been steady starters for Arkansas. You know, Markel, he missed a couple of games with an injury, uh, but he's been back since the the bye week. Uh, so I guess three straight games he started. Uh, definitely Trey Williams has been the most impactful. He has been the pass rusher Arkansas needed. Uh, he hasn't been super consistent. You know, I mean, you mentioned the game where he kind of broke out on national TV. That was against Texas A&M. I mean, he he picked on that poor left tackle for the Aggies all game long and was dominant. And I think that kind of spurred some conversation like, man, this guy could be, you know, a mid round draft pick in, in next spring's draft. Uh, then he disappeared for three weeks. Like you look at the pro football focus data and he had like hardly any, pre- like zero yeah. pressures, like can literally I, zero. Can I interject for a minute and just say, welcome to the Trey Williams experience. I've watched <laughs> the kid. He played high school football with my son that you, every game you go, He'll have a game that you go, oh, my God, this kid is an NFL player. And then you'll go, oh, I kind of forgot that dude was on the team. And that's been the issue is the consistency. Yeah, and that that's definitely what Arkansas's experience. And I think maybe a little bit was he got a little banged up um, and he wasn't fully healthy. And then I think the, the open date that Arkansas had was really good for him. Uh, and he's he's had some good moments you know, since then. Uh, he's He's gotten some pressures. I think he had a two-sack game against, I want to say, Mississippi State or, or one of those teams. Uh, he's up to six sacks this year. You know, Markel, he's been out there. He hasn't really been super productive, but they clearly like what he brings to people because he's continuing to start and, and play a lot of snaps. You know, he'll play the defensive end spot, three-man front, or he'll play inside in the four-man front. So they like his versatility. Uh, but he hasn't been nearly as productive as, say, John Ridgway, who's another transfer defensive lineman Arkansas brought in from Illinois State, the FCS ranks, you know, he hasn't had a ton of production, but I feel like he's been more productive than Markel, just, you know, being a really solid, you know, piece there in the middle of the defensive line and, and you know, steadily pushing the pocket and things like that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they, the transfer portal, without that, you know, I, I talk about, you know, the safety or the, the linebackers who came back as super seniors, they were incredibly important. And so were the three transfer defensive linemen, including Trey and Markel from Missouri. Uh, incredibly, incredibly important for the success of this defense. We'll flip over to offense in just a minute. One quick last one, and I'm not asking you to make a prediction, just kind of what the feeling is down there as far as if Barry Odom's back for another year in Fayetteville or if this is maybe the offseason that he gets another shot to be a head coach. Yeah, I think that's that's the, the question that a lot of people are asking. Um I don't know. I mean, I could see him. You know, they're they're going to be losing those the the super seniors at linebacker. They're probably going to be losing Jalen Catalan, who's out with a uh, season-ending injury, and they're losing those tra- those transfer defensive linemen uh, that you know all came in that have played a ton of snaps. So they're going to be losing a lot of talent. So my gut says that if a good opportunity comes along, you know, whether it be a head coaching job or something, I could see him taking it just because you're probably not going to look as sexy of a hire next off season because the defense is probably going to take a step back. So flip over to the other side of the ball. 12 months ago, um, Felipe Franks can't play and Arkansas comes in here playing the backup quarterback. And 
Missouri fans are thinking, okay, maybe maybe that's a good thing, and then watch the game unfold and go, well, we're making another backup quarterback look like Peyton Manning, right? And well, what we didn't know at the time was KJ Jefferson's a damn good quarterback, man. I mean, that was kind of the nobody. I, I mean, people had heard of him, but I don't think anybody knew what to expect out of him that day. And then it really springboarded him to to a heck of a season. Yeah, I tweeted as soon as that news came out that KJ Jefferson was going to start. I I tw- I can't remember exactly what I tweeted, but it was something along the lines of "Uh oh, this ain't good for Arkansas" because we we don't get to see a lot of practice, as you know, but we saw enough to where I was like, okay, so KJ, that that's why they brought in Felipe's because he wasn't going to be ready as a, a redshirt freshman, and he struggled with accuracy, you know, things like that, and you could tell he had the raw physical talents. He just wasn't ready to play. And lo and behold, he goes out there against Missouri. I know that they're not, they weren't the 85 Bears or anything last year, but to do what he did on the road against an SEC team and, and do what he did you know, down the stretch, leading that you know, go-ahead drive and throwing a touchdown pass and a two-point conversion with less than a minute left to, to take the lead, that was huge. And I think that really gave the coaching staff confidence, like, hey, this is our guy next year, and we don't need to go out and land another Felipe Franks on the transfer portal because we've got our guy. And there was a little bit of apprehension. You know, I, I said I, before the season, I predicted, I said, Arkansas is going to be as good as K.J. Jefferson is. And sure enough, he has been damn good, as you said. And I think Kendall Bryles during uh, fall camp had predicted or said that their target completion percentage for him was 65%. And the general consensus amongst the media, we left that press conference and we said, there is no chance in hell they complete 65% of the passes with, with KJ. He just, his accuracy just wasn't there. He's got an incredible deep ball and he's dangerous with his legs, but the accuracy was just not there. And he starts out the first half of the Rice game in the opener, you know, Rice, you know, not, a, not exactly a great team. And he goes like four of 11 in the first half and people are calling for him to be benched. He's terrible bring in the backup because he's the greatest thing since sliced bread, but they stuck with him, and he is completing 76% of his passes in November against Mississippi State, LSU, and Alabama. So pretty good defenses, and he has been playing incredible. He's been incredible in late-game situations like we saw up in Columbia last year. He led a touchdown drive that ended literally as time expired against Ole Miss. Didn't get the two-point conversion, so it was a loss. Uh, then he led the game-winning drive against Mississippi State, where Arkansas scored the touchdown with like 21 seconds left, and was just phenomenal, incredibly poised, two-minute drill, and he has been incredible. And I think he should be an All-SEC kind of guy going into next year, and I think you can make a case he's top three or four in the SEC this year. Yeah, for sure. Um, his main target, the guy everybody knows from Arkansas's offense, is Traylon Burks. Um, so I look, obviously he's good, but how important is? I mean, are, are there enough other guys that if you find a way to kind of shut Burks down, that where else do they go? Yeah, that's been uh, the question that they've been trying to figure out all year because it has really been Traylon Burks. I mean, we saw it last year in the Missouri game. He and KJ, they're really tight. They were roommates as freshmen. They lived together uh, since then and came in the same recruiting class. So they're really, really tight, have a great connection. 
you know, who the other receiver is. It's been different guys in different weeks. You know, there for a stretch early in the season, it was a Tyson Morris. He's one of those super seniors, former walk-on, who has been, you know, extremely productive for a guy who wasn't a scholarship player until a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, Warren Thompson is probably the guy that they would like to be the number two guy. He's a transfer from Florida State, former top 100 recruit, you know, heralded uh, guy. He struggled with some drops. I want to say it was against UAPB of all teams. He he dropped like th- legitimately three passes in the end zone, and it was a rough game for him. And he's had some good moments. He he made a nice catch against Alabama. Uh, so he's been a good guy. And then that's really about it. I mean, they've got Davion Warren, another super senior, but he hasn't really done much. You've got a, a stud freshman in Keytron Jackson, but he's only caught three passes all year. Uh, you've got some tight ends. You know, Trey Knox is a, a wide receiver turn tight end, and he's had some really good moments as he's kind of learned the tight end position. You know, Blake Kern has struggled with some drops along the way and but made a couple of really nice catches against Alabama. He's a former walk-on super senior. Uh, so really, it's it's Traylon Burks, and then it's the running game that I'm sure we're going to talk about that uh, that Arkansas is going to lean on. Yeah, I mean Arkansas has four guys that have run for 475 yards or more, including KJ Jefferson. What the the guy I wanted to ask you about there? It, it apparently is like a rule in this game now that Arkansas has a running back who at one time was committed to Missouri, um, and then and then ends up running pretty well at, in uh, Fayetteville. But uh, I, I think I had actually forgotten until I saw uh, a, a tweet about it that you know Dominic Johnson was at one point committed to Missouri. Eli Drinkwitz came in and. I, you know, it depends on who, what side of what story you believe, but whatever, <laughs> the kid ends up at Arkansas, you know, so I, I've got to imagine he's a guy that, that this one's probably going to mean a little bit too. Yeah, I actually asked Sam Pittman that question on Monday and said, you know, the way his recruitment unfolded, because uh, there was there was some drama and there were some hard feelings on Dominique's side, um, the way it all all happened. And I asked if this game was going to mean extra to him and Sam Pittman kind of said, no, he's he's just out there trying to play his best ball, which is coach speak for, yeah, he wants to go out there and kick their butt, in my opinion. I, I think he's going to be fired up and ready to go. And, you know, in, in Missouri's defense and in Eli Drinkwitz's defense, no one here in Arkansas, even the coaches during fall camp, thought Dominic Johnson was going to be a contributor at running back. They actually moved him to tight ends at one point during fall camp then had to move him back to running back just because there were some other injuries. And since then, he has been a mainstay. Uh, the last couple of weeks, he hasn't ran it as well. But before that, he was first or second in the SEC in rushing yards per attempt and was incredibly productive. I think he had a 100-yard game against Mississippi State the first time they actually gave him kind of a workhorse load. And you know, he, he got a little banged up against Alabama. He was at practice on Monday. Uh, so I expect him to play, but I don't know if he's going to be 100. percent But I would say as long as that guy can walk and he's breathing, he's going to find his way out on the field against Missouri. Yeah. Just uh, uh, last thing. I mean, how big is this one for Arkansas? And and you know, if if they're going to win, what's what's the main reason they did it? Yeah, I think if they win, uh, the main reason they did it is because. They continue to be incredibly good on offense. I think that's that's the strength of this team. KJ Jefferson and Traylon Burks are probably going to have big games. You know, Traylon's 
probably not 100%. I don't know if he's been 100% all year, which is kind of scary considering how good he's been. Uh, but he got banged up, took some big-time hits against Alabama. But if those guys are healthy and then the defense just creates a turnover or two, then I think Arkansas is going to be just fine and be able to win. Uh, this is a game you look at it. Arkansas, in my opinion, is clearly the better team on paper, but that doesn't seem to have mattered against Missouri the last you know several years. I mean, it's like, what, five in a row Missouri's won? And there, there have been games in there that Arkansas probably should have won. I mean, last year gave up you know, the field goal as time expired, and there was the 24-7 to 7 halftime lead they blew back in, I want to say, 2016. So this is kind of a funky series for Arkansas, uh, but I think they feel good about their chances, and especially if they can get, you know, your typical, you know, performances from those guys, and, and if they can get the run game going like some teams have done against Missouri, then I think they're going to be just fine and, and should be able to put up a lot of points. So it's just going to be a matter of can the defense – prevent them from scoring points as well yeah well appreciate it andrew thanks man have a uh, appreciate you doing this a little bit early have a good week and uh enjoy the game friday looking forward to it all right man that's andrew hutchinson from hogbeat.com you can check him out the arkansas site on the rivals.com network and uh see all their coverage this weekend and uh you know really really throughout the year a lot of a uh, lot of crossover here between these two teams. So, I, I I'm kind of with him. Like the better team doesn't always win this game. The spread seems to be a little closer. I think 14's a little bit high. Um, I think it's going to be a more competitive game than that. But this would be Missouri's clearly best win. So, appreciate you guys uh, being here with us. We are going to I guess now tomorrow we'll do pregame at 1 p.m. We'll be here for postgame. We might have to cut that off a little early because I'm also going to be over at Mizzou Arena covering uh, Missouri versus Wichita State starting at eight o'clock on Friday night. But hope you'll join us for the pregame and postgame for the last game of the year. This is our last opponent preview of the year, at least for now. Um, may do one more depending on on what the bowl situation is, but want to thank Stuart Eastman and Edward Jones for being a part of this all year long. Edward Jones, a different kind of investment firm. When it comes to your financial future, you want to work with somebody that understands you and your individual situation. That's Stuart Eastman uh, at Edward Jones, 573-817-3108. You can also go on edwardjones.com. Uh, just ask that that if you're in the mid-Missouri area that you give Stuart the first shot at winning your business. We think you'll be happy with what he does, but uh, certainly check him out. Let him know that you heard about him here on this show or on powermazoo.com. And thanks to Edward Jones for being a part of this show all season long. Thanks once again to Andrew Hutchinson for joining us today and, and all the uh, people who have helped me preview Missouri's 12 games throughout the season. So, uh, guys, before you leave, hit the like button, subscribe to the channel, do all that. If you're listening to the podcast, leave us some nice reviews, and we will see you tomorrow, 90 minutes before kickoff.